Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Profitability Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Pinar. When I think about the creative process of making something new, the temptation is always to be innovative and reinvent the wheel. Yet many of the greatest works and inventions today are remixes of things that came before them. Or maybe I'm wrong, and I've just never had that kind of amazingly unique idea that would reinvent any wheel. Every week on this podcast, I have a conversation with a fascinating guest, whether they're an entrepreneur, artist, musician, author, poet, or artisan, to learn more about how they live a life that is uniquely profitable. My conversation today is with Megan Davis, who's a singer, songwriter, and artist. She has one and a half million subscribers on YouTube, and her videos has had almost a quarter of a billion views in total. What makes Megan's success fascinating is that the majority of her music is mashups and covers of different songs that she collaboratively performs with other artists. In our conversation, Megan shares how her initial success with her first video on YouTube back in 2013 was entirely unplanned and how that sparked a two-year grind of working a day job and working on her music part-time to turn it into a viable career. We also speak about how learning and curiosity has helped Megan refine her craft over time and how she continues to pull on the same creative string to create new works. What struck me most is Megan's focus on the work and how she doesn't measure her success with external validation. Instead, she simply asks a single question of herself. Am I writing better songs than I did last year? Megan's music isn't generally the kind of genre that would make it into my daily playlist, but I discovered her music a few years ago and I've been a fanboy since. This conversation with Megan has only increased that admiration. Let's get into today's conversation with Megan Davis. Hey Megan, thanks so much for being here. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So in kind of preparing for today, like what I always do with all my guests is, you know, I try and get kind of the whole biography and background on my guests. But with you, you're a little bit different, right? I mean, I, I couldn't find, uh, you know, a about page of full biography on you, in fact. Like the most concrete thing that I can and did find about you was one of the first videos you posted on YouTube. It's about mid-2013, right? A mashup with your sister, Jacqueline, radioactive, pumped up kids, right? So what I kind of want to start off with here is like tell us a little bit about the Megan you know up until just before that video gets released okay so my kind of story I guess before that was I moved to Nashville from Pennsylvania I was born and raised in Pennsylvania and I wanted to play music for a living I actually my dream was to be a guitar player so I when I was 19 I moved down here to Tennessee to go to college and I was a guitar major in college and I practiced all the time nonstop and that was kind of the vision for myself that I saw like there's people here in town that they play guitar and they tour and they they're in the studio and that was the vision I had at the time and so I came down here and it was definitely kind of like a you know, I think in my hometown of Harrisburg, I was the best guitar player that I knew. <laughs> but like you come down to Nashville and there's hundreds of people who are, are better than you <laughs> constantly everywhere. And so I think I think that's a shock for most young musicians moving to town is, is you're kind of like a, the small fish. 
And so I, I think I came down here and it, it kind of became a question of like, okay, what am I actually a interested in doing? And be like, where do I kind of fit in? Like, there's this whole industry here and, and there's people who make a living writing songs. There's people who make a living just producing or, or like it, every possible niche of music making is here. Like, there's people who just write songs for film TV. So I, seeing all this kind of activity around me and I kind of just allowed myself to dive into it. Fortunately, Belmont University, where I went to school, had programs for all of this. And I didn't hesitate to like sign up for music business classes and internships, uh, even though I wasn't like, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be like heavily, heavily like working for a record label or something, but I just kind of wanted to learn and absorb as much as I could. So I was taking the songwriting classes. I was taking, you know, I was taking piano lessons. Like I just, I wanted to absorb a lot. And I honestly found more enjoyment in that than from just studying the guitar and having this kind of narrow focus. And I think the reason was because I had to kind of like pivot a little bit, you know, all of a sudden I realized that there were a lot of people who were really good at guitar and, you know, I I could have just continued practicing seven, eight hours a day and have done that. But I realized I really enjoyed learning new things and kind of getting my feet wet in a lot of areas. So, so yeah, that was kind of my background. Is that something that you would still regard as, um, you know, a characteristic or at least a mindset that you take, right? That kind of idea of exploring different things, trying to absorb as much kind of learning as possible, and then, you know, trying to find the next steps out of that? Or do you have a slightly different process there? Absolutely. I really enjoy learning new things. That's actually something, even like during this pandemic, it's been the longest I've been at home for like, or in one place for a while. And so I've started taking drum lessons. (laughs) So I've been learning how to, I got like a drum set and I've been learning how to play the drums just I don't, you know, it's funny because I'm an acoustic artist, like who knows when this will even like come around if, you know, it might just end up being a hobby. And, but I do think those things all influence each other. And as long as I'm enjoying it and I kind of enjoy the, like, there's no pressure, you know, like to be good at it, you know, I'm just, it's for my own curiosity and kind of something I've always wanted to do. And that's what I've been doing. I've been practicing a lot of paradiddles. A lot of air drumming. I mean, what resonates there, Megan, is I probably about two, two and a half years ago, I went through a tough spot in my own business. And I I can't remember how I stumbled into to poetry, at least as an adult, but I mm-hmm. stumbled into started reading Rupi Kaur at that stage. Yeah. And I can't remember what I read after that. And this whole idea of kind of modern contemporary kind of poetry that seemed to have lesser rules than the stuff that I was taught at school, right? It sparked something in me and I, and I figured, well, I am going to write some poetry. And for a long time, and I've, I've not written for a while now, but at that stage, what was fun was this idea that in my job, the thing that I have to do for a living, there are rules, right? And I, there's outcomes, there's goals. Whereas with the poetry, like this was just, yes, I was learning. Yes, I was having fun. It's stimulating. There probably was a right or wrong or something, you know, like that there. But it was just completely different. I think that's what I hear you saying as well, right, is that one can apply that kind of curiosity and learning in direction where there isn't that requirement for an actual outcome. That makes that whole thing slightly easier to actually even get into. Absolutely. I think that's kind of what I, I realized 
just in regards to learning anything new, you know, if you have that curiosity in place already, you can learn twice as fast as if like, you know, you're kind of being spoon fed something you're not really interested in. And, but yeah, I do think it stretches your brain in, in different ways. And even if it's like, I don't have any grand plans to become a drummer, but you know, I, I think, I think some of the skill sets that you learn when you're doing things like that, like maybe it'll help my rhythm guitar playing. Maybe it'll help me speaking to other musicians in the studio who, who have like a vocabulary that I may have not known. So. Totally. Yeah. That resonates a lot. So I want to go back to the first video, right? Um, mm -hmm. What was the impetus for the first video? Can, can you remember when you had the idea where you were? And I said, what, what was that kind of initial thinking around that video? Okay. So the lead up from post-college, that video was kind of crazy because I ended up graduating. My final degree was a degree in songwriting. It was Bachelor of Science in songwriting. Like it was just like pieced together. I think I had like a classical guitar component thrown in like it was kind of like all over the place and I really didn't have like I didn't know what was going to happen what I was going to do and I kind of had that post-college like panic of like oh my gosh like <laughs> I need to make a living I need to like pay my rent I need, I'm gonna have to pay for health insurance here soon so I was working you know like temp jobs in the industry and honestly feeling a little bit lost not really sure where I fit in and where my skill sets fit in but I was just kind of making things all the time. Like I had a Tumblr at the time and I was like writing songs and posting to that. I had a SoundCloud. I was always like recording. I was always, I was making little like instrumental guitar videos where I was like doing experimental guitar. Like I was just always kind of creating outside of, you know, the money making jobs I was holding. And that kind of came full circle when my sister my younger sister, who's four years younger than I am, she came down to visit me in Nashville for her birthday. All she wanted for her birthday was to record a song with me. And I, I you know, I'm broke at the time. So I was like, that's easy. I can do that. And so we were going to record Radioactive. And we just started mashing. We were just, you know, two sisters, like, just kind of having fun with it. And I was like, this kind of has the same chords as like Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the Pupil. And we ended up doing that song. And um, I, I was home like a few weeks later and back in Pennsylvania. And my mom was like, oh, it's really good. You guys should do it and I'll, and I'll film it. And I kind of rolled my eyes because I was like, what do we know about like video or anything? Like, it sounds stupid. And... <laughs> which I'm normally pretty open about things. So I don't know why I was in a bad mood that day, but you know, and it's like the evening I had like a glass of wine and I was like, sure. And so I had, um, a Canon T like rebel that did like HD video and you can rack focus. Like you can, it can look pretty cinematic. So we, we filmed that video and, um, I didn't even edit it. Jacqueline, my little sister edited because <laughs> I like, was like, what's the point of this? And like, I don't, we don't know what we're doing. And I think she edited it in iMovie. And then she showed it to me and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then we posted it on YouTube. And I think the first thing I noticed was I shared it to my Facebook, which I always did. Like just my personal page to my friends and family. I would always share like, you know, the little songs I was working on and things like, hey guys, check this out. And I remember like people were sharing it and then someone would share it that didn't know me. Like it wasn't like it was, you know, exploding with big numbers, but I just, it was the first time 
I'd ever seen something that I'd done where like someone shared, like a friend or, you know, family member shared it on their profile. And then someone who I didn't know shared it on their profile. And I think that was when I realized that, oh, this is like different than things I've done. It was just probably like two weeks later that I think someone posted it on it was just a bunch of little things that happened but someone posted it on some app it was it was kind of like a reddit type of app where you know just people share things and then people can like it or and I think it was only on android phones and I had an iphone at the time so I had no idea I just someone texted me I was like hey your video is on this app and uh, but I literally remember being in my apartment and all of a sudden, like my phone, because I used to get an email for every comment and all of a sudden my phone <laughs> was just like ding, ding, like it's just constantly. And they were all like comments on our video. And I probably had like a hundred subscribers at the time. So I was just like, I mean, I, I still remember that feeling. It was like, it, it just kind of seemed like a dream. Like it was just so surreal because I was sitting in my, I was in my apartment by myself at the time. And oh gosh, I was working like a nine to five on Excel, like on a desk, like crunching numbers for some music industry job and uh, getting paid $9 an hour, which is like not enough to live on. (laughs) And I just remember like being just kind of like being exhausted after the day, sitting on my couch in my studio apartment and just having this happen on my phone. That's when I, I realized something was, was happening. It was just the beginning of it. It took, it really did take you know, a good while to get to decent number. Like it wasn't just like, boom, like, you know, a million views or anything like that. But that was the start of everything. Yeah. I mean, what I hear you saying, I think it's fascinating and I'd love to hear your take on that, right? Is that there are so many coincidences or almost serendipitous kind of things that happened in that lead up, right? I mean, like who has a sister that wants a birthday present that is more about the pers- person giving the present, right? <laughs> right. But I think what kind of what your story at least suggests here, and again, please disagree if you'd like, right? But at least suggests that as people that kind of make things, that create things, is that yes, there probably are like three or four or five things that you can probably do in your field that might increase the likelihood of your success. But oftentimes there is just this matter of kind of some confluence of different things that you know, comes together and we create that one thing at the right time and the right person hears it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I, I agree with you that there's, you know, it took a line of things coming together for that to happen. But I do also think that like there's certain things that I did, not that I knew at the time, but like when I look back in hindsight, you know, I think about taking that recording class. Like I, I wasn't a, like there is an actual recording major at the school I went to and I wasn't in it. I just, you know, I was doing a lot of recording and learning as much as I could. And, you know, I think if I didn't take that, like I I really think, or if I didn't study, you know, take it up like my own initiative with that type of stuff, it probably wouldn't have happened the way it did. But then there's all these other things that had to line up, but and some of them were in my control and some of them weren't. So, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. But it, it was in no way planned, which is like, like I wasn't thinking when I was in that recording class, like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. <laughs> I'm going to record videos and do this. I didn't have any, I didn't know what that was going to be at all. And I don't know if, if I had that goal, if it would have even lined up the way I thought it would. 
yeah, but it's interesting looking back. Why do you think that's the case? So say say you mm-hmm. had that goal. Say the goal yeah. was like, I'm going to put this video out there because this is the start of my YouTube fame, for example, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Why, why do you think that might not have worked out that way? Only because I think I switched around, not between YouTube, but at different months, I'll be like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll be a songwriter. Like, because I was writing a lot of songs in college. And, I, you know, that's a job here. Like, people get publishing deals and they write nine to five. They have a right co-writing. They co-write, like, every day with other writers. And they're just constantly building up this catalog of songs and that are pitched to artists. And then artists sing them. And it's, it's a huge industry and a very like real job so you know that was something and obviously the guitar player thing like oh maybe I'll produce like I, you know I was seeing these visions and and but I, I also had like closed doors to that like I had you know meetings with publishers that didn't really go like well or they weren't like interested in, in signing me as a as a writer or for whatever reason and I, I definitely faced a lot of closed doors in those avenues that I was trying to set up for myself so it's just really interesting that the avenue I ended up taking wasn't one that I had planned out. So it makes me think that like, if that was my plan, <laughs> it would have been another like avenue. I don't know. It's so hard to plan in this industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think I, like, I'm not intimately familiar with the kind of the music industry as, as a whole. I wonder like the thing is, as I'm listening to you, the thing that pops to mind is, almost the kind of the sincerity and authenticity that's in the work and in the creation where when, again, doesn't matter what the modality is, whether it's music, whether it's writing, whether it's building a business, I think the more, the closer we stick to the thing that we're actually trying to do versus the thing we're hoping to achieve, like I think that that creates a different kind of energy, right? Whereas when we plan this out, when the goal is to build a you know, kind of business to become a billionaire, like you kind of skip over a few steps and it loses that rawness, that authenticity, that sincerity about the thing you're creating and the journey that you're on. Absolutely. I think that's what I've seen because I, you know, I've been here a while now and, and have a lot of friends who've taken their own path in the industry and they've all been very different paths. They've all had different doors open for them. There's never been like, oh, this is the way most people are doing it. But I would say the one similarity between me and and friends that I have that, you know, have progressed in the industry or in their careers has been really just kind of the, the focus on the craft and like on getting better at a very just kind of like this kind of small level and just focusing on, okay, am I writing better songs than I did like a year ago? Am I, is what I'm creating, like, am I growing as a, as an artist? And that's really reassuring to me because frankly, I don't have like any control over so much externally that's happening in the industry or whether or not people are interested in investing money in me or, you know, signing me or doing any, like I have no control. Like a lot of that is just like, subjective and you know who you're meeting at the right time and things like that and so but what I really do have control over is the work that's in front of me and and getting better at that yeah totally that's uh, I absolutely love that so release the first video phone goes ding 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 because of some android app right yeah 
first video gets traction. Talk me through kind of, you know, going from that first video to the second one. Um, and uh, when we say video, I mean song, right? I mean, I, you publish most of your kind of your music, both as audio only and videos on YouTube, right? So talk me you know, through that kind of that second song then. And like after that, at which point there kind of you decide that, hey, there's something here. I'm going to continue doing this. This is financially viable for me. This is actually a career path that I can, you know, stick to. Right. So it was not long after that, that moment where we got a lot of, of a lot of looks on the video, which and when I say a lot, like it was probably like 15,000 views, like which, you know, is a decent amount, but it's not something you can make a living on. And it's like, it was exciting, but it was like nothing more than that. And so, but immediately I was on the phone with my sister. I was like, we have to do this again. <laughs> like, Come back down here. And, you know, she's in college. So she starts kind of just making these trips down and which I love because I love hanging out with my sister and we were just, you know, doing these covers. So the second one was another mashup that we did, but she was still in college and I was looking to work a lot quicker. So I was like, who can I work with here? Because it was so funny, like even at that point, I kind of envisioned myself as the brains and like the background of the operation and I didn't even really think of myself as like a recording artist or anything like that. I was just like, okay, I'm the producer, I'm the background person. And even in some of those first videos, like I have one video with my friend, Emily, and she's singing these. I don't even sing. I just sing harmonies, like <laughs> play guitar. <laughs> like, cause I'm like, okay, so I'm going to like, just kind of meet up with all my friends who are singer songwriters here and artists and, and have them guest on my channel. And then I'll produce it. I'll edit the video and I'll kind of just curate it. And then that'll kind of be the thing. And I'll be able to, I think I was uploading like two videos a month or something like that. But it, it was interesting because as I was doing that, I was the one gaining all the followers. Like it, um, I realized that it wasn't, that I, I wasn't in the background as much as I thought I should be. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just slowly, it kind of came to the point where I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll do a video by myself <laughs> or, you know, or, and I, and I did, and I did like, you know, I did like an original song of me, like sitting in my, in my studio apartment. And, and I remember just like the audience and like the community on YouTube, like really liked it. And it kind of brought out this confidence in me that I don't think I had as like a, as an artist. And that was super essential to my growth because I was not confident like if someone asked me like what I would do I'd be like I'm a guitar player like I wouldn't even say like I I was an artist or anything because here in Nashville an artist is like a recording artist and they're like they're kind of like the actors you know they're the star of the movie the everything and so to say you're an artist is a very like here in Nashville is a very um it's a statement almost here in town like if you're if you're in a writing session and you say you're an artist rather than a songwriter. It's just, it's a very different kind of like job in a sense. So it took a really long time for me to be like, oh, like, yeah, I'm an artist. Yeah, like I'm, I release music under my own name. I, you know, I write my own like songs, I do covers too. And, but yeah, so that next year was just kind of like this grind of like, I was going to work nine to five, making zero dollars an hour, it felt like. And, uh, and then I would come home and I would get to work on these these like arrangements and these videos and grind it out because <laughs> every time I did one, it would get a little bit, a little bit more views, a little bit more, you know, 
traction and I, I kind of felt that snowball effect happening and I was like, okay, if this is a time where I, I put my head down and I like get to work, this is the time for sure. Yeah. And can you remember like at what stage in the last couple of years, like this actually became financially viable where you could actually quit that zero dollar an hour crappy Excel job and say, yeah. listen, you know, I can do, I can devote hundred percent of my time to my music now. So it was probably two years. However, I have to add a disclaimer that I made some like not wise financial moves at the beginning where, so as I was growing this following and people were asking like, where can I find this music? My philosophy at the time was to just get the music out to anyone who wants it. So if someone wants it, I want them to be able to have it. Like, so I was putting my music all in like SoundCloud for free download, <laughs> like forever. I had like, gosh, hundreds of like, like over a hundred thousand free downloads, which at the time iTunes was like, you know, 99 cents a download. So that would have been a more than easier way to <laughs> to stop doing my crappy Excel job. But that was like the decision. Eventually I was like, okay, I got to move this <laughs> like, to iTunes and uh, Spotify at the time was just starting to like become like a big thing in the States. And, and so I don't know, like, it does make me wonder, like at the time I was like, I just want to keep feeding my music to people and just get my name out there and like spread it everywhere and, and, figure out the finances of it later. And, you know, who knows if that helped it spread faster. All I know is that like, it definitely didn't help me quit my job any faster. <laughs> and I think you're probably right in the sense that kind of a good free product is like spreads like wildfire, right? And mm -hmm. I think the the notion of tipping points is very prevalent in, in, in most things. And like having that initial traction and acceleration, you know, with a free product, possibly accelerates your path to tipping point as well, right? But I think the, the underlining or underpinning kind of notion there, which is probably very relevant for many, many people, many listeners out there, is the fact that this is not an overnight success, right? That even from first video to about the time where this was financially viable for you is about two years. And then we spoke about kind of what led up to just that first video as well, right? You spoke about you know, practicing seven, eight hours a day, right? I mean, that's that's an immense amount of work to ultimately kind of get kind of where where you are today. And I think that's the part that often in success stories that gets missed, right? We like in success stories, the public, the outside, they generally see that last couple of steps that someone takes to get onto the podium, but they don't necessarily see the race that was run or the training that went into that race beforehand. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's what's so interesting about branding and all that, you know, jazz in the music industry, especially because, you know, like the vi from the outsider's point of view, you, you know, if you come across like a video with me and my sister, you might just think, oh, these like girls sat down and recorded this and put this on YouTube and boom, like how lucky are they? But it's like, there is a lot more story behind that. And, you know, I personally want people to think that, like, I don't feel the need to hammer home the story of like how hard I've worked in the past, the atmosphere I'm creating when people are watching a video, you know, they can create their own story around it. That's not the story that I'm like necessarily selling essentially. So you don't, you won't really see that much online if you don't you know, know anything about me. And of course, you know, the people around me, my friends, my family, they definitely know, you know, the work I put in on a lot of levels, but, and I, I imagine that's the way for a lot of like brands and businesses is that they don't 
publicize that part of it. I mean, you can if you want to, you know, it's just how, but I just think about like when someone sees my videos, like what do I want them to feel? You know, what do I want them to think about? And, you know, that's not part of it necessarily. Um, that's not the outcome I want them to have essentially. So if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense, right? Because because you're right, many brands don't do that and they don't tell kind of the story. But some brands, I mean, if you think Patagonia, right, pops to mind as a kind of mainstream mm -hmm. example, they are very vocal about the things they stand for because it also supports the narrative that they, they use in their marketing, that they use in their products, right? So yeah. in that sense, they use that backstory as part of the story that they're telling, whereas what you're saying is mm -hmm. every new song for you is... A new story right and you don't need you don't need the listener or the viewer to necessarily know all of this kind of backstory to hear the story that you want to tell with that song yeah yeah it's it's i would say it's kind of like more along the lines of like a movie or a film tv show it's like i've only been around like a very small amount of that type of stuff but whenever i see it it like blows my mind how much work goes into it and like the little details but they don't want you to think about like every time two characters are talking to each other, that's a whole nother shot in lighting. <laughs> and like, you know, like the whole idea is to create this experience for as like an entertainer or as, you know, for an audience. And, you know, there's, there's going to be people like I'm very nerdy about things and, you know, Taylor Swift just came out with a record. So I've been reading all about like the whole process of like recording it during a pandemic long distance because I'm like just fascinated by that that side of things but you know that's not the story necessarily that her record is putting out there I mean there's the information out there for those of us who are interested but it's not like in the liner notes per se <laughs> totally so what I'm wondering here Megan is so if every song that you release is a new story that you're telling right how do you stay consistent and true to to Megan like like how does oh, Megan gosh. Davis show up in every single song that's a big that's a hard question it's that's why this podcast exists by the way if I if I, I manage to ask one hard like big question in every conversation then I've, I've served my goal here okay so regarding original songs or cover songs or all of the above but tell me both if, if there's a difference because I, I mean another question that I have is totally around how you pick kind of when to do a cover when to do original but let's stick answer in what, whatever way it feels most natural the way that like everything consistently feels me and new in a sense and I wouldn't say it always feels new but I, I do try to like and this gets in creativity you can get very philosophical about you know like where it comes from when it comes maybe that's why I like practicing so much because I know if I play a scale a hundred times I'll probably be better at it but like you can sit down and with a song and, and or anything and try to work on something and maybe nothing happens and it's the most frustrating experience like if you work on anything creative I'm sure you could relate but it's people get very philo philosophical about it you know I like to think that I like follow like a string <laughs> like I have like a little instinct about something and I just follow it like it's like a scent or something and sometimes it doesn't work out but it's just like a little idea that like excites me or and maybe it comes down to like just having my own personal taste there's things that I like there's things that I don't like and just kind of working in and around music for so long I've kind of just learned what I do and don't like and you know as I'm following that um, string I'm just making micro decisions of 
oh, I kind of like this. I don't like this. Like, you know, it's just, it's a lot of just kind of decision-making and somehow the end product always seems to have like a stamp of myself. But I do think it is kind of leaning more into your instinct rather than trying to emulate something else. I think you can get into that trap of losing your distinct kind of identity when you start following what someone else is already doing or has done. So for me, I think it's trying to lean into that like gut feeling, even if it kind of feels like, oh, no one's like, people might not like this, or this is, this is a departure from the original song, or, you know, maybe something people don't want to hear about, or yeah, I don't know. It's, but it, I think each time you kind of commit to doing something and, and leaning against or leaning towards your own gut feelings is what creates that identity. I think the biggest component to individuality and kind of having your own stamp on things is leaning into those tastes that you have as an individual and those those little micro decisions that you make while you're creating that are because you like it, you know, not because anybody else, the, the world the music business or any other business, I think it's because you think this is cool or, or like this is the way it should go. And I think that's where you get your stamp. Like that's where you find you. And, you know, it's it's a healthy balance of being like, OK, I'm not going to be writing a song that's 10 minutes long. You know, <laughs> just, you know, there's like a standard format for songs. And, you know, when I make creative decisions to break out of that, there's reasons. And sometimes it is like, I just don't think this should, you know, end here or go here. But you do kind of, you know, it's just this healthy balance of leaning into your gut a little bit. Yeah. You're hearing that as you double down on that sense of style that your gut feel right it's almost like that it has a compounding effect right whereas like that is how you also refine your own style so i'm wondering though as you're pulling on this string right do you ever think you're going to get to the end of that string and if you think it is possible like what do you do when you get to the end of that string <laughs> um i think when you're at the end you're done like you're done with this product or the, or the idea is finished you know and then it's just looking for another kind of influence to chase or for me a lot of times when I'm like recording or writing I'm, I'm very much a perfectionist too so I could keep working on things forever like there's been songs that I've had in the works that I've just rewritten and you know never released and you know it never quite feels done so sometimes it feels like there is no end to it and it, it takes like someone creative outside of me to be like no I think you're done <laughs> like you should like put this out yeah and you know that's a whole nother difficult thing as a creative person is like knowing when things are finished but yeah I think I think when you get to the end of that idea I think that means you know the song's done or the work is done and that's personally what I love about music is like you know when something's done okay, it's out there. Like I can kind of start with a blank canvas and write a new song that's completely different. And yeah. Yeah, I can see the appeal of that, having that blank canvas and not having to feel like you have this, I wouldn't say necessarily baggage, but this image that you need to uphold in every single yeah. or every next step you take, right? So I totally get that. It is interesting though, because there is, I guess, a larger component, like as a musician, where you do have to kind of, think about the overarching branding of myself or band or any kind of person. But I also think that like, 
my personal philosophy. So I have no business experience outside of my own, you know, <laughs> world, but is that like, I think brands can change over time and that's actually like a healthy thing. I don't think it like, it has to be like, you're locked into this. I decided that these are the colors I'm using and this is how it will be, you know, forever. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with like switching gears a little bit and changing things up, you know, so it feels like good to you. Like I've approached my own artistry like that. Like, but I think it's also because I'm a different person now than when I was 25. I'm like older. What's changed, do you think, firstly, and how do you think that influences the brand image of Megan Davies that you have to put out there today? Oh, it's hard to say. And it's it's funny because so I just turned 30 this month and which it's interesting as like a female in the entertainment industry is, is a very like, you know, I didn't think it would be weird, but it is kind of weird. Like I found myself looking towards like women who like people like, gosh, Amy Mann. I don't know if you know Amy Mann or like people who've had these like long careers, like as female artists and kind of just like, or Sarah Bareilles, um, you know, who kind of like transcend their age and just are, you know, so, so great at just continually pushing what they do. And, but yeah, I, I think, you know, there's things that I would say the biggest thing that's changed for me just like mentally is I'm like a lot better at saying no to things than when I was 25. I think I would say yes to anything and everything. And mostly because you go so long in this industry where you just get no's. <laughs> and so when things start opening doors start opening and people are like do you want to play this show or do you want to have that I'm like yes yes of course like why why wouldn't I <laughs> you know and then all of a sudden like I'm doing things that don't make sense <laughs> like at all or aren't good opportunities really and um I think now I'm just a lot better at being like no this doesn't really make sense for me you know at the moment and yeah just saying no to people and like being a bit more confident in that how do you make those yes and no decisions? Like, how do you know, like, for which things you have to say yes, and for which things, like, it's just a no? That's hard. I mean, again, that's like a changing thing. Like, I think there's things even like a year or two ago, I would have said, you know, yes to that I wouldn't do now. Like, I remember I did something of like, probably like four or five years ago that like, I, I like had to host this like hour long live stream. And I'm just like not a TV presenter, you know, like I, it's not like my skill set, you know, like I'm like myself and I can, you know, have a conversation with a person. And, but I remember I was just like trying to like interact with comments and like nowadays I would just be like, no, cause it's not something, I don't think it's something I'm like great at. And also like, I don't think I would get much out of that. Like personally, it's like, I think I, I take more into consideration about like, you know, things that are good for my mental health and, you know, things that I can set myself up to succeed in. And just because I also realize that this is kind of a cliche, but they always say that the music industry is more of a marathon than a sprint, you know, so you get out of college and you're like, oh, I'm going to work like insane hours. And but that's actually not something you can sustain for a long time without like going crazy or, you know, drinking or doing whatever people do to keep up the workload. But, you know, I, I think now I'm kind of settling into this, like, okay, what's realistic for me in the long 
call and for also just like creating a life outside of like my career. Like that's something I've started thinking about more than I ever thought about it, you know, just because I'm, I'm starting to see like my future a little bit more. And yeah, I don't know if that answered the question, but <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I will let the listeners kind of, you know, find whatever they want to find, like in that kind of, you know, between the lines. And I think that's also where the magic happens, right? Is I don't think any, any one answer, any one sentence is what is necessarily intended. Like it is the listener and the kind of the, the person hearing the story that, you know, has their takeaway. So talking about the future and one last question to kind of end off here is I'm wondering, you know, how you think about just legacy in general, right? Mm -hmm. And whether there is something about yourself that you would like to leave behind in your music? Hmm. Gosh, that is a great question. That's a hard question again. <laughs> I think it's a particularly hard question because I think there is like, you know, when you think about the big picture of like, okay, what am I contributing to the art form or, you know, in the long run? And it kind of puts a lot of pressure on yourself to <laughs> create. And I think that's why I prefer focusing on the micro as opposed to the macro is because like when you start to think about the bigger picture of things and it kind of can mess up the the craft of it i hope that whatever is being communicated through what i'm making continues to communicate in the same way for as as long as possible like i hope when people see a video that we made or listen to a song or a cover that even new listeners are able to feel that same way years down the line, regardless of, you know, where I am. That's kind of what is really cool, I think, about like any sort of art or creation is that you can exist outside of you. Like once it's done, it's like, you know, someone may see a video I made a few years ago. And for me, I'm just like, that's an old video, but like, it's new to them and they're experiencing it for the first time. And, you know, that process can continually go on. So I think that's, to me, very exciting. Like that makes me like excited. You know, the, the part that resonates there. And again, like I, many of the questions I ask on this podcast are, there's some kind of bias or agenda there, right? I mean, legacy mm -hmm. is something that I you started thinking about a lot more once I had boys of my own rights. And I kind of thinking like, you know, if something were to happen to me tomorrow, like what is it that I kind of leave them, right? How do they get to know their dad when I'm not around anymore, right? And, and the part that resonates there is like those physical manifestations, whether it's, you know, whether it's a song, whether it's a note that was written somewhere, whether it's just the kind of the legacy of, hey, my dad created this business, but there is something out there that they can eventually, if they wanted to, right, if I wasn't too much of a dickhead to them whilst, <laughs> whilst I was here, right, but if they wanted to, they can kind of dive into that and like, you know, try and kind of, you know, triangulate parts of who their dad was, right, so, but yeah, that part of what you said really resonates. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> awesome stuff, Megan. So, so before I say thanks and goodbye, um, for all the listeners that want to hear all of your amazing music, like <laughs> where should they be going? Where do you want to send them? So you can pretty much find me on any music streaming or download platform. If you search my name, Megan Davies, I have a YouTube channel. That was the original platform. That's Megan Davies 711. And yeah, just on all the social medias. So whatever your favorite is, whatever you're on, I am probably on it too. 
Awesome stuff. We'll definitely link that up, Megan. We'll also make it easier for listeners that don't have to Google because if you Google Megan Davies, you get a fitness coach, <laughs> you get a photographer, and you get yourself. So it yes. might take a few clicks before they, <laughs> they get to the real Megan Davies. Um, so we'll link all of that up accordingly. Megan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for this conversation. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for me for today's episode. If anything in today's conversation really resonated with you, please do send me an email on ad at lifeprofitability.com. That's A-D-I-I at lifeprofitability.com. You can also leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to improve the show and perhaps also helps me to reach someone else that needs to hear this or might find this helpful. I'll be back here with another great guest next week. Cheers. Cheers.